Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hi, thanks for listening to the Business of Learning. I'm Sarah Gallo, Senior Editor here at Training Industry. And I'm Michelle Eggleston-Schwartz, Editor-in-Chief at Training Industry and your co-host. Today's episode is brought to us by Exec Online. Here's a brief message from our sponsor. Exec Online, the pioneer of online leadership development for enterprises, is your one partner for leadership development. Through its on-demand experiences, immersive programs, and leadership and project-based coaching, Exec Online delivers career-enhancing opportunities for leaders at all levels and meaningful impact for enterprises. To learn more about how Exec Online can help you connect all your leaders to their future potential, visit execonline.com. Learning and development is having a moment. Whether it's upskilling and reskilling employees with the skills they need for the future, adopting and managing emerging technologies, or creating internal career pathways for employees, organizations are relying on L&D more than ever before. And in today's dynamic business environment, we can expect L&D's moment to extend well into the future. To learn how L&D can drive and sustain business growth during times of change, we're speaking with Stephen Bailey, Chief Executive Officer of Exec Online. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you. Looking forward to a great conversation. Yes, welcome, Stephen. We're excited to have you and, and really dive into a topic that couldn't be more timely for our listeners today. As Michelle mentioned, we know that businesses are kind of prioritizing L&D now more than ever, more than we've ever seen. What are some of those key societal and also business shifts that have really put L&D in the limelight, so to speak? So I would say it goes beyond a moment. I think a lot of it represents a shift in how businesses both develop and sustain competitive advantage over time. So if you think about the pace of change that's happening in the world today, you hear a lot about agility, you hear a lot about the need to stay ahead of the pace of change. We think about that in the context of what we call a learning economy. And if you think about the pace of change being you know, sort of ever more rapid, the organizations and individual leaders that are going to have the most competitive advantage are those that can learn faster than the pace of change. And if you can learn faster than the pace of change, there's tremendous opportunity for that competitive advantage. If you learn slower than the pace of change, you run into a lot of competitive risk. So I think that's one of the things that's driving this L&D conversation at the C-suite level is that it's now become a strategic capability that's critical to sustain competitive advantage over time. I think the second thing that's driving this shift has to do with, obviously, the great resignation, the very tight labor market that we're in, and organizations recognizing that the employee value proposition needs to be much more about what employees are getting from their employer, not just in terms of a paycheck, but how they're building their careers with that employer over time. And increasingly, individuals are seeing their employer as either a partner in their career development, or they're seeing it as an inhibitor of their career development. If they, if they put you in that second bucket, they're going to be looking elsewhere. So that combination of tight labor market and the need for sustained competitive advantage through consistent learning, we think is really driving this trend. Definitely. I, I like that idea of employees are really trying to determine whether or not the organization is aligning with their values and their mission. And um, that's just so important for organizations and leaders to keep in mind. Can you touch on a little bit around like how are companies leveraging L&D to remain competitive in today's 
business environment? What can they do? Yeah, so I think, you know, if you if you look at L&D historically, and we focus at a tech online on the leadership level, so we've got a very unique perspective there. You know, there's typically been this trade-off between what I would call scale and impact. And so organizations have said, I can either touch all of my leaders in our case or employees in the case of, of other L&D solutions, or I can get really high quality, high impact results for a relatively small number of folks. And I think the biggest challenge that L&D is facing right now is the need to democratize access to high quality L&D, both to retain their employees, as well as to you know, sort of promote sustained competitive advantage and learn faster than the pace of change in this learning economy. Um, so I've got to get it to everybody, but it also has to move the dial. And that fundamental challenge is what L&D is grappling with because it's going to require L&D to reinvent itself from a function that is largely a metering function. We've got a scarce resource and we have a series of processes that help us determine who gets access to this resource to a function that says we want to democratize, make it available to everyone, but we also want it to be able to drive results. And so a lot of what progressive L&D organizations that we work with and focused on is how do you help leaders apply what they're learning to real business challenges that they're facing and draw those connections right in real time so that as they learn, they're literally applying what they learn to improve both business outcomes and their own performance individually as they go. And you know that type of approach is very different than um, sort of an episodic approach to development where maybe you sit in a classroom and then you're supposed to figure out when you come back, how am I supposed to apply all these really interesting things that I learned? And so that shift from episodic to now continuous application back into what you're doing at the pace of, you know, sort of the business, I think is, is something that L&D is trying to figure out how to do well at scale. And that's something that Big Tech Online really focuses on supporting our clients in doing. That's great. Yeah, I love what you mentioned, Stephen, about really democratizing learning and how it's important to make sure it's accessible um, to everyone, but also is really driving those results. And kind of going back to, we talked, to what we talked about, about employee value propositions, do you have any insights on how really democratizing the learning experience can help create an equitable and inclusive future of work? Because we know that is something that so many employees are looking for in an employer right now. Yeah, and that's a big focus for Exec Online. Um, and we've been a pioneer there. And we think about it in terms of what we coined development equity. And it's this idea, if you think about pay equity, for example, you know, the focus on gender pay gap, pay gaps based on you know, race, other aspects of identity and, and organizations, particularly over the last 10 years, have been super focused on it. And there's still a lot of progress to be made, but the progress that has been made is because it's been named and it's been measured. And in a learning economy, if you think about the need to learn fast in the pace of change, what's as important as pay? Development. And so you really need to think about development equity in the same way you think about pay equity in terms of providing equitable access to not just check the box development, but career enhancing high impact development opportunities equitably across your populations. And so we work with dozens of companies that are part of our development equity council. And we really attack this issue starting with measurement because you can't manage what you don't measure. And so it's about understanding 
what's the lay of the land today? If you look at how you distribute your development opportunities, who are those opportunities going to? That's step one. And then once you understand the baseline, in, in the vast majority of organizations, it's not what you want it to be, but that's okay because it's about, okay, how do we take what we've learned and use it to move the dial? And that moves into the second phase, which is often about when organizations try to figure out what's wrong, it's the processes by which they allocate development opportunity. Typically a fair amount of bias in those processes, they're fairly subjective. So you know, for high potential programs and organizations, for example, 70% of organizations base that on a single subjective nomination from a manager. When you think about mentorship and sponsorship, programs, over 70% of sponsor relationships are same race, same gender. And so those are the types of things that perpetuate the lack of access to equitable opportunity. And so progressive organizations are thinking about as we democratize, that gives us the ability to remove a lot of these subjective gates to development opportunity and make it available to everyone. So just to give you an example, at Exec Online, what we're really proud of is the fact that before we existed, if someone wanted to get a certificate from an elite business school like Stanford, they had to be tapped on the shoulder for special treatment. They had to fly out to Stanford. They had to sit in the classroom, typically a classroom that wasn't that diverse, a lot of white males in that classroom. And at the end of a week or whatever the length of time was, they would get a certificate from Stanford. And it was something you might put on your wall. But the number of people who got that was very limited. Today with Exec Online, if one of our organizations works with us, a woman in the Philippines sitting on her couch with two kids can pull out her phone when she wants to and get a certificate from Stanford to accelerate her career. And so that's the shift that we see. Um, and organizations that are able to do that shift successfully are the ones that are going to be the, you know, sort of ultimately the employers of choice. Right. Super important. I think it's important to note here also that you know, of course, learning, learning leaders are tasked with a lot. They're supposed to be helping their companies solve current business challenges, but also help them navigate future ones, even if we don't really know what they are yet. What are some of those skills and competencies that really train needs to address to prepare organizations for the future of work and really help them remain agile and flexible? It's a great question. And we spend a lot of time, obviously, thinking about what's around the corner. And to your point, Sarah, you know, L&D, that's one of the most important tasks. Like, can you help the business see around the corner in terms of critical capabilities that are going to be necessary for success as we move forward? We've, you know, sort of developed a future-ready leaders framework that's focused on this exact issue. And what we've seen from observing tens of thousands of leaders and working with hundreds of organizations are three critical capabilities that are really rising to the top in order to be successful as we move forward. One is the ability to lead business transformation. You know, so many different organizations are needing to reinvent themselves. Obviously, COVID is a, is a great example of that, but COVID won't be the last need for reinvention. I mean, as soon as we felt like we're out of COVID, now there's war in the Ukraine and there'll be something else that's coming next. And so the ability of organizations to recognize that reinvention and business transformation is a constant. It's not an episodic thing that happens every, you know, several years like it used to. And so leaders that have enough business acumen and business context and strategic savvy to understand how to shift the business in ways that are going to keep up with the pace of change, really important. Secondly, humans don't like change. And so you need to have empathetic leadership in order to help lead your teams through change. And it's both change in the workplace, but increasingly we're seeing that, you know, sort of 
workplace personal life divide break down. And so a lot of the challenges that we've all faced over the last couple of years um, are being brought into the workplace. And so leaders need to be able to connect with their teams, not just around, you know, their business priorities, but also how are they doing as a person, how their family's doing, and how is that affecting, right, what they're bringing to work. So that empathetic leadership piece is second. And then third, the ability to lead diverse teams inclusively. So if you look at the data on diversity and the performance of diverse teams, diverse teams are both the highest performing teams in organizations. They're also the lowest performing teams in organizations. And the difference is leadership. So if you lead a diverse team inclusively, you solicit different viewpoints, you allow people to have a safe space to challenge each other respectfully and celebrate those different viewpoints, then you get really strong outcomes from diverse teams. If you have leaders that cut off debate, that make people feel like they don't belong in a room because they have a certain background, that tends to lead to conflict and you see team performance really break down. So the combination of business transformation, empathetic leadership, the ability to lead diverse teams inclusively, we see those as the future ready skills that are gonna separate the best leaders as we move forward. Those are all some great examples for sure. I think, of course, with all of this going on, it, it can be easy to get burned out as a learning leader. Do you have any tips for, for our listeners who are struggling to kind of roll out these timely programs and really support their people alongside all of these business transformations and shifts? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So the first thing we try to work with our L&D partners to understand is it's about quality, not quantity. And what I mean by that is not, you know, it's only for a few people. It needs to be democratized. It needs to be available to everyone as you think about L&D. But the number of initiatives that you're democratizing does not need to be a long list. And I feel like a lot of times because things are moving so quickly, it's like we got to do all these things. It's like, no, you want to do high impact things. So, you know, target and focus your bets on the things that are going to drive the most impact for the organization. I think there's a shift in metrics as L&D has become more strategic and and is sort of front and center on the C-suite agenda. It's not just about smiley faces and how many programs did you run and how many people attended. Those Those are volume metrics. Those are quantity metrics. Quality metrics are what are people learning? What are they applying to their roles? How is it accelerating their careers? What do our leadership pipelines look like based on the development that we're able to make available? And so in some ways, it really helps you focus on the things that matter and then just move all that other stuff to the side. The second thing I'll say is really understanding like any business would, what are our core contributions as an L&D team versus where do we partner strategically to unlock value? And what we see is L&D teams that are really adept at leveraging the right partners as opposed to doing everything themselves, free themselves up to have much more consultative and value-added conversations with their business partners to stay ahead of business need so that when they're thinking about impact as opposed to quantity, they know how to turn the dial and they know what data they need to bring back to their business partners to show them that they've turned the dial. So you know that, those are just a couple of the things that we advise Focus on quantity versus quality. I'm focused on um, quality versus quantity. And then secondly, you know, partner effectively so that you can really spend your time understanding the needs of the business. Definitely. Those are some really great points there. I'd actually like to expand a little on the idea around partnerships. Because after all, learning leaders, they are business leaders. 
Can you kind of describe what an effective partnership might look like between L&D and, and business leaders? Like how can they work together to align training with the goals of the business? You know, a lot of it is, you know, the most effective L&D leaders that I've seen in doing this, you know, they, they kind of follow a very consistent process around how they break down, right, the needs of the business and then deliver. So you want to come to the business and understand, you know, if you're a business leader and, you're, and I'm l and I'm going to you and saying, you know, what are you trying to get after? Like, when you really think about, it, I want to understand your strategy. I want to understand what you're trying to achieve. Once I understand what you're trying to achieve, the next question becomes, what are the capabilities from your team that are going to be critical to executing that strategy? Because almost every strategy looks good on paper, right? It's the execution where it breaks down. And so what are the capabilities you need? Once I understand those capabilities, let me map those capabilities to specific development solutions. And that's why this applied learning piece is so important. It's got to be about how are we going to apply what we're learning to get after right those strategic objectives. And then what the most effective L&D leaders do, when they set that up up front, they then are able to say, okay, if these are the capabilities that you care about, this is how I'm going to show you the ability to move those capabilities. And you set it up front, right? This is the data I'm going to bring back at the end. And if the data says this, we can agree, right, that we're getting after this priority. If you do it on the back end, it's too late because then it just seems like a post hoc justification for whatever it is you're doing. But if you really sit down with the business leader, listen to them, understand their needs, agree on the, the things you're trying to get after and agree on the metrics that are gonna determine success up front, then you can get after those metrics, come back, bring them the data, and you just build a tremendous amount of trust. And that leader then wants to reinvest back into development in significant ways. That's great. I think. Of course, establishing this partnership, like you said, is, is kind of easier said than done, especially for maybe learning leaders that are new to their roles or their organizations or maybe even learning and development in general. Do you have any tips for those listeners who are really struggling to gain that seat at the decision-making table? Yeah, so particularly if you're new to the organization, Sarah, you know, one of the things that I think is super important is like the early listening tour. And I, I feel like a lot of L&D leaders, especially in this environment, there can be a lot of pressure just to come in and do stuff. We got programs running, we got to get in there, we got to launch the programs, we got talking to 100 vendors, we got to pick one. And you lose the why. Like, why am I doing all this? What's the context? And there's no time. The best thing about being a new employee is that no one expects you to know anything. And there are no dumb questions. And so you can come in and you can, you can observe, you can listen, you can start to gain business context. And what that really means is, going slow to go fast. <laughs> so go slow initially, and that'll allow you to accelerate and go fast later. And I, that, in my experience, that's what the best, not just best L&D executives, that's what the best executives do, right? Is they really understand how to go slow to go fast. And once you do that, it builds an enormous amount of trust. Because literally the most important thing for an L&D leader that wants to impact the business is to have a brand that is synonymous within the business with impact and understanding of needs. Because ultimately what breaks down in many cases between business and L&D is business leaders say, oh, you don't understand our business. And L&D says, oh, you don't understand your people. And they're constantly at odds and they're not on the same side of the table. If you can get on the same side of the table, convince business leaders that ultimately your job is to help them unleash 
their team's potential in order to execute their strategy, and they truly believe that, then you're in great shape because they start to trust you, defer to your judgment, and ultimately uh, invest in your function in order to sort of drive the outcomes that, that they're looking for. Yeah, I think it kind of comes back to, you know, we're all on the same team and whether you're a business leader or a learning leader, like you're all there for the same reason to help improve human performance and ultimately advance the organization as a result. So I think it all comes back to that communication piece, like you said. That's right. At the end of the day, you know, one takeaway, get on the same side of the table as your business partners. Don't sit across the table from them. If you're on the same side of the table, great things will happen. If you're across the table, you're going to have problems. Yeah, that's great. Well, on that note, do you have any other final takeaways for our listeners before we wrap up, Stephen? You know, it's, a, it's obviously a time of tremendous change. It's a time of uncertainty. And when I talk to employees, friends, you know, kind of colleagues, what I find is a lot of what's draining right now is people feel like they can't control what's happening. And so, you know, one of the things I love about learning is that learning gives us a modicum of control over our lives. It helps us understand how to adapt to change. It helps us think about what's around the corner and what might come in the future. And most importantly, it gives us the confidence to know that no matter what happens, we can, if we're willing to build a capability of learning, both individually and at organization level, we can stay ahead of those twists and turns and changes and ultimately take back control of our lives and our organizations. So that's what I'll leave you with. Perfect. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining us here today and having this conversation, Stephen. How can our listeners get in touch with you after today's episode if they'd like to reach out? So uh, the best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, So I'd love for, for listeners to reach out. Always enjoy great outreach through LinkedIn. Uh, and then for uh, Exec Online, uh, both on LinkedIn and on Twitter, we're, we're always active. So look out for lots of content that we're putting out on a regular basis on all these sorts of topics related to development broadly and leadership development specifically. To learn more about how learning and development can help organizations remain agile and successful during times of change, check out the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. As always, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.